Welcome to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. A short while ago, I met a fella named Jason Gaborio. Now, Jason is a creative director, actually the executive creative director of Donor LA, and he is in the enviable position of having built up a number of ad agencies, both for himself and for large agency networks. So he has seen uh, from the stable old days of advertising to the tumultuous new days of advertising, how things are changing. And one of the things I found fascinating about Jason was his, his fascination with millennials and the changing face of employees working in advertising. Now, I worked in advertising for years, and talking to Jason, things have changed quantum amounts since then. So I want to bring Jason aboard to talk about this. Now, he's in the middle of starting a new ad agency up, like I said, for donor, and so he is a very busy dude, but I managed to corral him for a few minutes just to share some thoughts on the changing face of the staffing of ad agencies. Jason, welcome. Mark, thank you so much for having me. This is fun. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that blew me away is how priorities have shifted in advertising. I remember that advertising when I was in it was the coolest thing you could do with your pants on. And all my friends thought it was amazing that I was flying all around the world and making TV commercials and getting to eat, uh, you know, craft services. And we got to kick off early and we all went to the bar together. It was amazing. But you said things are changing. Tell me about that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Things have changed. That experience of advertising is is pretty much gone. So that's that's not how they see the business anymore. That business doesn't exist. It does a little bit, but the big the big shoots, the big exotic locales, the big budgets, that's mostly going away. We don't normally do TV. We're doing apps in a lab, we're doing websites, we're working late hours. That's the job that they see. It's not very appealing to them. Uh, You know, we're in a sort of a do-it-yourself time right now. And advertising uh, was in its heyday when we could create these wonderful, rich um, commercials and and images and persuade people with them. In a do-it-yourself era, is that even relevant anymore? Or people just want to do quick and dirty stuff and get it done? Quick and dirty stuff and get it done. When you rest, you rust in this business. Um, you know, with as brands try and think and overthink what they want their message to be, who they're talking to. Somebody, some new brand is out there, and they've put something out, um, and people are responding to it. Oh my God! Now, and now, they're beating you to it. They're beating you to it. And so, if you don't shoot the commercial on your on your phone, get it out in fifteen minutes, and it's done, then somebody else is gonna beat you to the punch. For the most part, yeah. There's still those brands out there and agencies out there that really focus on the craft of it and they get it right and they build these great myth building, brand building spots. So but for the most part you're just seeing in real time Taylor Swift and and all these other icons kind of putting stuff out in real time and people reacting to it. Oh my God! Now, well, look at look at Oreo. Can you tell me one commercial they've done in twenty years, or can no. you tell me what tweet they did in the last ten years? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, when the lights went out, that was the whole right. thing, right? And you're going, you got to be kidding. What would Joe Pitka? I, Joe Pitka is a famous <laughs> commercials director for folks who don't know. What would Joe Pitka be thinking about that? You know, I, he, <laughs> he'd be twisted. If he was dead, I'd say he's rolling around in his wine um, cellar. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now let's let's shift our gears. Millennials. This was something when you started talking about millennials to me, I just I just I was gobsmacked. Talk to me about the new face of the staff. And you say millennials aren't even the staff anymore. The people you're talking to is the generation after. Talk to me about their personality. I'm talking about yeah, the gen. I think they're called Gen Y. They're called yuckies, young urban creatives. They're called artisanials. Um, because they are more artisanal, they want to be like their great grandparents and and you know macrame their own <laughs> genes. Uh, they're they're twenty two to to twenty seven. They just come out of school and they're a lot different than the people who came out of school even five or six years ago. Now, what do they like? What I mean, you have them working in an ad agency. You say you have got to put a, put together a, a big commercial, a big campaign. How do they react to something like that? Are they jaded? Are they cynical? They're not jaded. They they're excited by it, but it's not it's not going to be their life. They're not going to give up everything to do it like we did. Uh, I just remember back in the day, if I had the opportunity to work on a campaign that had some sort of broadcast TV involved in it, forget anyone's birthday or anniversary coming up because I was going to be at work really trying to get get this done. They don't really think that way. They've got so many projects and side projects and, and passion projects going on. They're not necessarily going to, they're not going to approach the project with the same intensity that we did. I remember there was a famous saying from uh, Jay Chiat or Lee Clow from Chiat Day Advertising. You know what? If you don't come in Saturday, don't bother coming in Sunday. And I remember for years that dictated my life. I, I always had two to three weeks off, uh, never took them. Um, like you said, it was just work was either so darn good or so darn important that we never took the time. Were we nuts or are things just sliding backwards? We were definitely nuts. I think that the the consciousness of the industry has changed. I think if I tell people they have to work on the weekend, I've got it's it's got to be a rare occasion. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'm too, but I maybe I'm too nice. But I, I've heard this just again the several agencies. Uh, I've I've started. You can tell that shift. Like I don't want to work weekends is something that they value their their off time more than anything. Now, you know, I, one of the reasons why I loved working weekends and I loved working late and I loved working all the time was because I had this feeling that I was working in a sort of a myth making world in a mythical world and um and i loved it it was kind of if you couldn't be a rock star it was as close to being a rock star as you could get without any talent now is is that sort of rock star status of advertising going away it's it seems to have gone away i don't think anyone's aspiring to be advertising creative anymore i think that their new heroes are a lot different um they're seeing people create they still want to create meaningful content that gets noticed and talked about. They don't think that necessarily has to be an ad campaign anymore. Hollywood is still the gold standard to create a movie or a television show. I think that's like still a very aspirational to people. But to do an ad that no one's going to see in one of the 4,000 channels they have now is not appealing. To do a website, to do a tweet, to do... They would much rather use their creative energy and creative talent, which they have abundance of, to create their own interesting web series or their own interesting blog that could possibly get picked up to be a movie. Or That's really where they're going to focus or their passion more than your coupon ad. Well, that's, that's wild because you know it was ultimately a, a career that was a bit devoid of, of um, 
uh, I guess, real stuff. What we were doing, we were creating persuasion for other people's products. But what they're doing now, uh, they want to create the product. So maybe innovation has taken the place of marketing at the, at the table. Perfectly said. Absolutely. I so they, agree. they'd yeah. rather, uh, the new gods are the guys who are starting their own tech companies and starting their own dot-coms and, and creating their own apps. I see it every day where we're coming up with ideas, game-changing ideas on behalf of clients, and I can see it in their eyes that they are wondering, well, why can't we just do this for us? And I think you're seeing that in the agencies as well, are wondering, well, why can't we do this for us? And you're, you're hearing about these labs and incubators popping up at these ad agencies to be the ones that create these products and these these. Innovations now. How good are ad agencies at doing that? I've I've seen this myself, and I scratched my head. I scratched my head a few times, going, "I wonder if a whole bunch of people, advertising type people, who are more adept at a, a short term sprint, how do they do when it comes to, I guess, what I'd call a sort of a marathon of creating a new product? How do they do at that?" Well, I, I've been again. I've been in the business since '92, and I've heard this a bunch of times where ad agencies want to become their own client, and it seems like a common sense, easy thing to do. But I don't know anyone who's done it in any significant way. There's been a couple of positive examples. I know CPB has some liquor brands. I think Anomaly did Jawbone, but for the most part, you know, they they just can't. They have the ideas, but the to production, I think, is, is where it sort of gets stalled out or the capital investment needed to have it to create a product, I think, is where it all falls apart. But again, I, I don't know, but it is interesting to me that I hear that everywhere I go, like, we're so good at this, like, why don't we create our own brand? But yeah. for whatever reason, it stalls out. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it seems there's staying power. The problem is staying power, you know, because we're, we're trained to sprint. We're trained to work on a six-month contract, not a two-year Slog and, and ultimately launching businesses, except for the ones that get written up in Fast Company, launching businesses is a bit of a slog, and I think that's kind of where we fall short. Now, that brings me to the next question. How are millennials at the slog? How do they do? Are they, are they, are they the sort of people that have the tolerance for a long, drawn-out process? Now, I'll illustrate with a, my own life, real-life real scenario. Can you define slog? Is that a Canadian slog. for? Is it's that a like slog. a Canadian maple syrup drink? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like color, you know, color C O L O U R, you know, or <laughs> a slog. A slog is a rough a rough walk through the mud. You, everybody knows oh, okay. that. It's like a toque. Um, no, a slog. A slog is a long, thankless journey. Now, I remember when I when I worked at, um, at BBDO in Europe. The first week I got there, I wrote a commercial for Wrigley's chewing gum, and then we passed that off to another team. And that team worked on that commercial for two years and went back and forth and back and forth. Didn't get any better. Actually, got a lot worse. And after two years, when I was leaving the company, they had just produced the commercial. Now, that takes a lot of tolerance for pain and a lot of stick to um, How would you personify uh, the folks working in advertising now? Do they have the power to see that through? Absolutely not. In fact, you have to... I've been managing around that. You have, when I have a client that I know has a long lead uh, production time, what I mean by that is, is some, yeah, I have these retail clients and they got to be on air once a month with something. And then I have clients that, you know, each year they're going to do a big burst brand campaign and just a year long journey. I have to kind of manage that marathon for the creatives. I have to, I know someone's going to start it and someone's going to finish it. And I don't know who the, who that's, I need to sort of 
mm-hmm. mix and match who that's going to be. Or I need to give the team that I know is going to do that year-long journey, I have to give them two or three quick hits in between that journey mm-hmm. to keep them satisfied. If I'm just going to, I'm not never going to keep them on that project for a year long because I'll lose them. Now, you know, one of the things that I used to do, which was terrible, I was always the coach, the hockey coach who strapped on the skates when the players weren't doing well. When we had the long, uh, I don't even know what else to call it, slogs. When, Slog. we, had, when we had the long slogs, uh, my teams would start to cry, and, and I would jump in and take the thankless work myself, which is a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I do that as well. I just feel like I'm, 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 you know, I'm doing my good deed by look. I'll do this poopiness. You guys, you focus on the bigger picture, bigger, more creative, fun stuff, and it ends up being no good deed goes unpunished. Yeah, I yeah. do the same thing. Yeah. Now you told me on on the subject of loyalty. Uh, you told me a fascinating story about a young person working at your agency, got the opportunity of a lifetime, and decided to go off and create some content instead. Uh, something that, you know, when I was 22, 25 years old, would have been unthinkable. Talk to yep. me about that. Yeah, so again, a, a, a slog, a slog <laughs> assignment. Um, and we were, it was, it was a great opportunity. It was a high profile brand um, that. We were using a hype, you know, Kevin Hart, which is, you know, arguably mm-hmm. the biggest star in the world right now. And we were about to go produce this campaign. This, this creative had worked on it. This was her first job in advertising. It was kind of unheard of. This would have been unheard of in 1997. Mm-hmm. She was right out of school. It was, she was working on a big brand, a big brand campaign with the biggest star in the world. And this campaign was going to be everywhere. And it was her campaign. She, her idea was the one that the client had chosen and she was going to make it. I mean, in 1997, if somebody would have told me that, I would have been like, no one is touching this thing. It is all me. Mm-hmm. But right when we were in production, I mean, literally looking at locations, shoot was in about two weeks. She comes to me and she says, I got some news. So I'm leaving. I'm like, what? Uh, look, I know it's been a long road, but we're here. Let's, let's, no, no, it has nothing to do with this. This is great, but I'm leaving. I'm going to go shoot a movie I'm going to drive cross country and shoot a movie with um, my roommate. I'm like, but wait, can't you wait? We're about to shoot Kevin Hart. Don't you want to meet Kevin Hart? Like, what's going on? No, I really want to shoot this movie about what it's like to be an American. <laughs> and I was like, I, I saw that movie in social studies 20 years ago. It exists. Like, oh, I saw the sequel. Yeah, it's on PBS right now. I think Ken Burns did it. <laughs> oh, my God. And, and gone. She was gone. 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 No, there's nothing I could say. Like, this is your career. This is like, you're real. You're, don't you want this? And with, I could see it in her eyes. She was like, no, no, this, why would I want this? Now you just why would I want this experience over this incredible once in a lifetime experience, which is driving cross country and, and oh making this God. movie. Now and, you, but you just said it, you just nailed it. Career. The, the whole concept of career has changed too, hasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, her idea of, of a career isn't uh, to work your way out. I mean, where do, you ha- where do you go from shooting an amazing campaign with a star? I mean, that's a, you're already hitting it pretty close to the Super Bowl there. But, I mean, geez, what a, what a golden way to start a career. And she's just going, nah, I'll probably have, what, 5, 10, 20 careers? So why not get started? Yeah, that's exactly right. Really? Yeah, you nailed it. They want to go from like junior creative to creative director if they're going to stay in advertising. That that long you talk about the slog of a mm-hmm. of a um, that's your new favorite um, word, isn't it? You love it. It is word. my new favorite word. I'm going to people are going to look at me strange today. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I live in L.A. Slog might be like you yeah. know kale, 
Yeah, well, you don't you don't have long, uncomfortable walks through the tundra, do you? That's that's yeah. that's something that doesn't happen in L.A. But so these these people, their their concept of of uh, you know just toughing it out, just no, nah, I'm going to start my next career. Uh, that's wild. That is very wild. Now, uh, yeah, they they take pride in having several careers and being you know. One thing I, I, I talk about in that thing we, we worked on together. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if I can mention that. Oh, no, I can mention it. Top, I don't know. Heidi's, Heidi's in my head right now. Uh, <laughs> You're bringing up a whole, bunch of, a whole bunch of insinuations here that people don't understand. They don't, the, the folks out there don't know. Okay. I'll, 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 make it, I'll do it sensitive. Um, Jason and I worked on a top secret project together. And Heidi was the person who put us all together. So we can't talk about it, but it'll make more people listen to the podcast. If there's a chance, they'll find out later. Great, great. That's what I'll leave yeah. it at. <laughs> yeah, but the uh, the one thing I talk about in our super secret project that, uh, that yeah. the CIA doesn't even know about yeah. is how you can't put them in a box in terms of, of a title. You can't just call them a writer. That frustrates them. You can't just call them an art director. Like instantly they feel like put in a box and they, that just goes against their whole culture and, and soul. Yeah. Yeah, they do design, but really what they kind of do is they're, you know, I keep using DJ, but DJ is almost too cliche at this point. They mm-hmm. really are, they, they've come up with some new way to make butter or they've come up with, you know, yeah. some crazy invention. I mean, yeah, some of the things I've seen come out of these guys is uh, there's one guy in my last office who built a wall robot that to help, um, you know, when we're concepting on the wall, the robot can kind of follow along and start, you know, writing the stuff as we're writing it and projecting it somewhere else on another wall. I mean, this is invented. I think that part of it is that these folks just aren't afraid anymore. Um, in my day, you know, I was a copywriter. If somebody would have said art direct something, I, I would have been terrified. But now your art director that you just talked about um, isn't afraid to invent a robot. Now, is that because things like the interweb have just made it so easy to learn something new? Like, like Neo, you can plug yourself in for half an hour and then suddenly no jujitsu. The interwebs have made them unafraid. They can figure. They take such pride in figuring these things out. That is part of their identity. That that they're not afraid to try new stuff. Whereas you know, with me, it was learn something, get really good at it, and stick with it. Now it's learn something a little bit and then try something new. It used to be in my like. I talk to people in my generation today mm-hmm. about starting ad agencies, they, I, they always ask me what, uh, what they need to know. And that it's starting an ad agency, something within their own core competency. These guys, they go outside their core competency and want to start boat building companies. They want to, uh, there's one creative who's working for me who was working on how to reinvent the oil change business. Oh my God. I mean, that's, that's the grandiose, audacious goals that they, that they're aspiring to. Now, can can uh, can the these businesses withstand people who have so little experience and so little patience, and such a short runway? Can uh, would I want to buy a boat from somebody who has been in the business for six months, or is the whole of the world just going to start to look a little shabbier because people are making stuff too quickly without enough thought? I'm not sure many of these people are succeeding in their their side projects like that. That will. That we'll see because I think it's it's just starting to gain probably more momentum, mm-hmm. where I'm seeing it affect the the creatives that I bring in. 
Mm-hmm. Like it used to be maybe one out of 20 of your creatives had this, this exciting separate life. Mm-hmm. Now it seems like they all do. I don't know what's going to ha- I don't know what the end game is yet. We'll have to see in a couple of years, but hmm. who knows? No, yeah. Who knows? Oh, you, one, t- one thing that you mentioned that I thought was a real uh, earworm was uh, they want to be Disney mini moguls. Media moguls. Now, everybody wants to be like Selena Gomez or Miley Cyrus, where they're rock stars and they have their own TV show and they've got loving parents. Talk to me about that. Is that is that really, you think, a phenomenon of things like Disney, where kids are learning that everything is possible? I'm always looking at like what's going on in culture. And when I think about like what are the stories and the myths and the heroes of or my day, it was always like some guy from some poor area or a person from some poor area overcoming adversity to be a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Now, when I look at what they're exposed to and I look at the Disney Channel and I look at the movies, their heroes are these these super moguls where they're not just a student, but they're also a rock star mm-hmm. and they're also a wizard and they love their parents and they're this, you know, they do all of these things and they're fashion designers. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the Selena Gomez's of the world, the, the people they're fans of, that's what happens. Justin Bieber, as much as we make fun of him, he, he's a billionaire on, <coughs> excuse me, he's a billionaire from YouTube. So yeah. crazy that, that, that affects them. Those are, this, those are their peers, and that's what they're doing. So that's what they aspire to. Now, if I'm creating a brand, I'm creating a new brand to appeal to a millennial audience, what does it have built into it? Now, I imagine it has the same stuff as always. You know, you want, you want people to be convinced that if they buy this product, they're going to be better, they're going to be sexier, they're going to be taller. But is there anything, given your experience, that you have to build into a brand to appeal to people like this? Well, I think they're, they're more socially conscious than ever before, and you see that, that they're every brand... Mm-hmm. Right now is doing some sort of what I call it some emotional guilt trip. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a big part of it. And then you're seeing older brands trying to uh, trying to find that social mission. Right. Right. Uh, now uh, let me switch gears. If I'm working on a brand as a millennial. Um, and I know that brands have this long history, this long proud history of getting us to consume more than we really need. Is advertising even going to be appealing for me as a career anymore? And how can, I, how can I turn that corner? Because, I mean, advertising can be a force for good or it can be a force for overconsumption. Um, do you think that there's, a, that there's a role for advertising and can advertising conceivably be that force for good? I think advertising absolutely can be that force for good. I think it's... Um I think what's interesting for me is I, I look again at the frontier of advertising right now and the brands that are coming out, they're... they're that force for good is at the center of the, what the brand has been built upon. Mm-hmm. upon. Mm-hmm. Again, when we were growing up, maybe it was a big deal at Ben and Jerry's gave 1% to peace. That's almost not acceptable anymore. Right. You know, you have brands like Tom's, you have brands like Patagonia, you have the Whole Foods of the world. There's a, a grocery store out here, Air One, which makes Whole Foods look like it's like a, a rusty bodega in New York somewhere. Right. So the brands themselves are coming to the table already with that mission at the core of what they do. And, and I even, I even yeah. look at Walmart. You know, um, when I was working uh, building my sustainability agency, Walmart turned the corner and became, uh, went from being this nasty town destroyer to being this company that vetted yeah. its, 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 um, its suppliers for sustainability. Suddenly they became the green giant. 
And you're going, wow, they have, they have an impact greater than any one country on making the world a better place. I, I, there's I, some, I was blown yeah, away. There was, there's some stat that when Walmart and it, um, unleashes their staff, it's the largest grassroots movement in the world. Crazy. Crazy. So crazy, if they crazy. tell their staff, we're going to go do, you know, clean up a park, it's the largest grass movements in the world. That's the kind of power they have. It's incredible. That's wild. And so, I mean, there is a real, real role for people who have a social conscience no. to stay in advertising and, and make these things uh, catch fire. But for these, for these millennials, these young creatives coming yeah. out of school, the, the, the brands that they love, those are the brands that aspire to them. They're not using Love My Carpet. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the, that's the part of creativity they want to be a part of. They want to change the world in some way. Right. So there's, um, there's still the 99% of the stuff that we do in advertising, though, still is, you know, coupons for dog food. Now, I just wonder what's going to happen with that. Is maybe that's going to be democratized and the folks who are running the dog food company do the coupons themselves. You never know. I think you are seeing a lot of people moving in the house. That'll still exist. I think it's just the, the difference is, is the mentality mm-hmm. of the people coming in out of school into the ad agency. I think you're going to have your ad agencies out there who do a high level of creativity, and that's going to appeal to the people who still love this business and want to be a part of it. But you know, there's a, there's a big middle ground of agencies out there that do have to do the coupon ad for the dog food. Mm-hmm. And they're going to really struggle to attract talent. Right, right. Jason, yeah. I've yes, taken sir. more than enough time, uh, time from you. I know you've got a, a, you're in the middle of a busy day. I, want I to could f- talk about this for hours, Mark. Well, it's going to be, you know, I don't want it to be a slog yeah. for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, Jason Caborio, if people want to look at Jason up, he is at Donor LA right now. And uh, you probably won't be able to talk to him because he's a busy dude. But um, if folks have questions, uh, fire them at Jason or drop me a line, mark at markstoiber.com. Jason, thank you so much for joining me. Mark, always a pleasure. Thank you. Talk to you soon. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, are looking to the future, and are profiting because of it today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you want to get a hold of me, drop me an email at mark, M-A-R-C, at markstoiber.com. M-A-R-C-S-T-E.